Welcome to Forefront. Call identification 001. Please state your name and purpose after the tone. Hi, I'm Margaret Zhang. I'm a director, photographer, writer, stylist, consultant, sometime model. Currently working on writing a feature in Mandarin that I'll hopefully shoot at the end of the year. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Aren't you doing enough already? Um, you are now being placed into conversation with Elizabeth Jens. Hi, I'm Beth Jens, a propulsion engineer at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I'm spending my days dreaming of space and trying to help humankind explore our solar system. And I do that day to day by designing, building, testing rockets and working on hardware for the next NASA Mars rover. That is super awesome. Hello. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I sure can. Can you hear me okay? I can. So nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Whereabouts in the world are you right now? I'm at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is based in Pasadena in California. What about yourself? Are you in New York? Yeah, I'm in New York at the moment, so you'll have to excuse the potential background noise. We are waiting for a side before we can begin the conversation. But I actually haven't heard from him this morning, so let me just like, try and call him again. What's the best yeah. way to refer to him? Is it just a side? Yeah, a, a, a side. side. So his real a name side. is Ade, but his, his kind of just life working name is a side. Okay, let's just get started. No one listens to me around here. Is it propulsion engineering that you do? Yeah. Um, firstly, how NASA is structured is there's different centers across the states that each specialize in different fields. The NASA center that does most of the exploration of our solar system is the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California, which is why I've ended up here. And so JPL is sort of its own entity where it's university-based, but it does its work uh, for NASA and, and with NASA. So it's sort of got freedom in some areas, but also gets to do the really big, exciting missions that I think inspire us all. Back when I was living in Australia and growing up, I always just dreamt of space. At that time, I didn't know any mechanical engineers or any engineers at all, actually. I didn't really know what engineering was. But I knew I really wanted to go into this field and I loved physics and math. I now have a PhD in aeronautics and astronautics uh, from Stanford University. Incredible. And I'm a propulsion engineer, which means that I design, build and test rockets for a living. People pay me for it. That's <laughs> um, honestly so fascinating. I can't even begin to visualize like A, the kind of enormous body that is NASA and B, all the different tiny components that go into you know, even one project. Uh, it can be pretty different. If I'm doing a rocket test, you know, normally I would have spent time preparing running calculations, predicting what I think is going to happen when we run the test. We have operating procedures that we've developed. I'll go through those procedures uh, with the support of a technician and we'll <laughs> literally, you know, opening valves and filling the system with propellant and, um, wow. you know, all the way up until when you're eventually pressing, you know, the red button to say fire. <laughs> I think they're my favorite days because there's a bit of adrenaline and having to think yeah. on your feet. But it's also that feeling of I've prepared for this and, you know, I have a reasonable idea of what's going to happen. Um, and then there's other days where I'm working on a little subsystem for the next Mars rover. And those types of projects, are, you know, they're very big. There's many stakeholders, you know, hundreds of people working on this rover every day. So it's a lot of meeting with people, making sure you've got really clear communication about what's happening with your system, how it might affect other parts of the rover. And it's, it's cool at the moment because I have my hardware sitting here, 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, can sit and hold it and think, you know, some of this is going to be on Mars in a couple of years. That's um, so incredible to think I about. I love. <laughs> it must be such an interesting process, like you were saying, when you're holding all the parts and it's very clear to visualize what the future looks like. But then, you know, when you're looking at calculations or, you know, having just kind of abstract conversations about it, it must be such a contrast. I remember my first internship here, actually. And it was the year that the rover that's now on, on Mars, that Curiosity was getting finished up and packed to send over to Florida for processing for launch. <laughs> I got to see the rover sitting there and in front of me. And at the time, especially as an intern, you know, you're working on stuff that's quite removed from, from yeah. flight. The juxtaposition was pretty interesting, especially then when it landed successfully. And now we see images that it's sending back from Mars. Um, Wild. Yeah. No, I want to hear more about what, um, yeah, what your day to day involves. I, I imagine that you have to do a lot of travel in your industry. You caught me kind of um, a couple of days before I head out again. This is like one of the rare times that I'm actually sitting in my apartment at home. But my day-to-day is always different. In many ways, quite similar to you in that within each role, every day is different. You know, someone who's a photographer has days where you're just writing treatments or you're on set or you're location scouting or you're editing and it, it ranges in that alone. And, and so you know, New York's really great for that because there's so many different people in the city, people are always in and out of New York. Like you were saying about your interactions with all different components and teams and people who play very specific different roles. Uh, For me, it's amazing to expose myself to other creatives and people who challenge my views. And Mm -hmm. I obviously didn't plan to kind of embark on this journey. Like I grew up starting to be a ballerina. I played music very seriously growing up. I mean, I was always going to be creative, but at school I was intensely academic. Maths was my favorite subject. It was never really clear that I was going to end up in the fashion industry. For me right now, film and and storytelling through that medium is kind of my focus because I feel that it's a perfect intersection of all of my skills and all the things I care about, like music and motion inform everything I do because of that process of image making, of storytelling, of engaging with an audience is something that I feel really strongly about and I think is really powerful. Being a multidisciplined person is very much my personal brand. And I know for A-Side as well, you know, he's producing, he's DJing, he's opinionated, he's designing, and you kind of need all those elements to stay afloat in a way. Like I couldn't imagine a life where I were only a photographer or only a model. Whatever role I'm playing on set, I always have opinions about everything else. (laughs) And I'm such a control freak. Wait, wait, wait. A-Side is on the line. Okay, I am A-Side. I am a marketing consultant for the likes of Converse and Nike Inc. I also am part of a new startup record label, which will be emerging this year in 2018. I'm also a sometimes music producer, DJ, and... An excellent disc jockey. There you go. You are now being placed into conversation with Elizabeth Jens and Margaret Zan. Hello. 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 Is it recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, there you can go. you hear me? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yep. Okay. Woohoo! Okay. Okay, let's go. Okay. A-side, I know we're both in LA, but working in very different industries yeah. and have very different days, I imagine, here. So I'm curious what you're doing here and, um, yeah, what your day-to-day looks like. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, there's a straightforward answer. 
and there's a slightly more abstract one. So the straightforward <laughs> answer is, I am here to help Converse with their entertainment marketing. They have like a huge connection to entertainment business. They have shoe deals with people like Tyler, the creator. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is the actress in Stranger Things. and She's like an ambassador. As it grows, they kind of need someone to be in LA because it sort of straddles both worlds of being able to work from their side of things, which is more about marketing and i used to work at nike many moons ago i've got that background and i also want someone who straddles the world of like music and fashion and entertainment and stuff which is what i do more on a day-to-day basis i couldn't tell you that any 24 hours are the same because they're just not because it's just brand new right now but at the moment it's really actually about just catching up with people and connecting and finding out what everyone's up to and you know what we could potentially do together going forward so we met in A-Side's music capacity, like, years ago. Yeah. And so I feel like in my mind, A-Side, you're always kind of a music multifacet. And then I always forget that you're always consulting on other things from a cultural standpoint, because obviously your knowledge of music and the culture and lifestyle that is attached to that is so valuable to brands. Yeah, no, totally. So, I mean, that that is definitely something I do. And so on the music side, myself and my friend Tremaine, who people know as Denim Tears online or on Instagram. And another friend, <laughs> Anthony Spector, who's like a solid music professional manager and businessman. But we're starting a record label together. Pretty much starting a very unique new way of putting music out, which is essentially like a trifecta. So I'm going to focus on the making of the music with the artists. And my job would be to sit there with them and really just help them get the best music out. You know, making sure that the art comes first. Anthony's job is to make sure that the business deals are really covered and it's fair to the artist, but at the same time, we're going to make money off it. Tremaine's job will be to sort of almost socialize the artist, kind of make sure that all their cultural relevancies are ticked off in a way. And it's an interesting way of doing it because I think previously record companies, once upon a time when they first started, they were kind of focused on, you know, help the artist make the record, get them in the studio, get them with the right musicians, get them with the right songwriters, whoever they needed just to get their art out. It's just disappeared because now there's a formula to success. If a song is in this particular key and it has this chorus, and the video looks like this, it's guaranteed to probably do okay. They started like leaning on that a lot more and forsaking the artists who actually might be kind of groundbreaking, who could actually help start a new conversation culturally. You know, a lot of those people have been left to the side or they've been eaten up by this pop machine. Part of that formula is things like X Factor, you know, and every show that's on television that basically shows you the construct of how to make a pop star. You look at that and you get one direction and then you eventually get a bunch of unhappy kids, you know, and then Zayn Malik. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, but that's, that's what happens because they're not teaching them about art, their product. So what we're trying to do is flip that on his head and form a company that's about art and artists trying to make sure that we have all aspects of how you make an artist work in 2018 and onwards. I'm curious about like the timeline for these things. So I know that the stuff that you guys are putting online has to have quick turnaround times and, and be pushed out. But I'm imagining, Aside, when you're talking about setting up a whole new label, that's a really long project with long leads. But is that the case? Is it something that you have to set your sights on? Like, have you been working on this for years or is it something that you come up with one day and the next day it's already getting rolling? No, I mean, it's pretty much the latter. You can kind of do things overnight now because one side of it, it can actually just be purely virtual. The idea of a record label years ago meant you needed a physical office with physical staff and all the trappings of that, you know, 
know, salaries and overheads. A lot of record labels used to own studios. Some of the studios were in-house. But nowadays, I mean, you know, we register a name, you know, we have an accountant who's sitting somewhere in an office somewhere that we'll never meet. We have a bunch of lawyers that we send. <laughs> to. Do you know what I mean? And we put up our logo online on, on Instagram. We exist. You know, and if someone believes in us enough and says, okay, I want you to put out my record, we literally have to do something as simple as putting it on SoundCloud. You know, it's just an upload and their record mm-hmm. is out or putting a video on YouTube. That record is out. That counts, right? And if people start listening to it and we push it enough, then it starts selling. And that counts, you know, those streams are counted. So that literally eliminates what we think about as lead time, because you can do that within a week if you're ready to go. Now, now you can't scale that up is where the issue lies, because let's just say radio, traditional radio, for instance, they count on the old system, which is based on lead times. They need to know when a record's coming out. But that being said, they're also now trying to catch up with the new way of doing things because they are records that are breaking overnight without their authority. They are records that literally like, I don't even know it's happened. I go to bed and I wake up and it's like, this thing has got millions of streams overnight because a bunch of kids caught onto it while everyone else was sleeping. What there is now is a system of quick time reaction, ability to sort of adapt and be flexible in, in real time, and then a build. And the build is what takes, that build takes still takes the same amount of time. To really make someone a real star and a real artist still takes the same amount of weeks and months and years. You know, that doesn't change because it's quality. But it's know? the platforms, right, that change because now we have such direct access to our consumer and whatever the creative medium is you are able to build as an individual an audience online that necessarily competes with an audience that previously a publication had and so you're not really relying on other people to get the message out yeah totally and i think it's just now it's just open up the conversation where anyone who's driven and organized can literally have a go in a way at building a record company or a magazine or their own media platform just a very interesting time that we're in because you can kind of sort of go from zero to ten the rest of it is just purely about your creativity mm-hmm. and your quality is there still that respect for giving people the time they need to produce a really high quality product i imagine for some people it could be many years a labor of love you know it's an odd question because something i've come to terms with is i don't actually think quality takes that much time the training is what takes a lot of time when you have a training in something whether it's photography or making music you could pretty much get things done in the real time you know it just becomes about how long it actually physically takes i know artists it will take two years to finish an album an artist it will take two weeks and there's no saying which mm-hmm. one's better there's actually no way of saying the one that took two years is definitely better than the one that took two weeks i think the talent mm-hmm. and the focus and the creativity is what makes a better product I mean, Beth, does that, how do you kind of see that idea of evolving timelines? Because for you, obviously, the timelines on space exploration projects are much more extensive. But do you, have you had instances where something was expected to take a really long time and ended up being much quicker because of some innovation or maybe something that had just ridiculous delays and ended up being like years long when it should have been a few months? One thing I find funny is when we're working with hardware, just the time it takes to physically build something particularly long lead items like when we're getting tanks for space flight mm-hmm. it just takes a long time to form a precision machine weld and qualify tanks and it's always funny when we're working with young engineers in particular and you say well it's a 12 month lead time to get that and everyone's like well that's not possible why would it take 12 months and you've got to remember <laughs> that some of this stuff you can't really reduce it Beth, i have a question for you yeah so obviously you're working with hardware you're working with physical goods you know 
But do you think also, to Margaret's point, some of this stuff is taking longer and I'm not saying it's going to be turned around in a day, but do you think it's because the technology is also at a point right now where you can't make stuff faster? Because I think about 3D printing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think about things that I've seen that years ago was almost prohibitive. You know, you didn't think that this was possible in terms of like consumer products at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Thinking about that in AIs, put those two together and I start to go, well, maybe what you're talking about is kind of based on technology that's available right now. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah. That's a really good point to bring up 3D printing because that's something that is changing the industry now. And it's still an active area of research. So it's very much still in its early days of infusion. But even where it's at now is changing things dramatically. For a little development rocket that we're building at the moment, we had a very complicated part that was going to be difficult, expensive and long lead to procure and we're going with 3D printing and suddenly it becomes something that, you know, we'll have relatively quickly. So you're right. It is definitely changing the industry. And I think um, there's some organizations that are doing a better job of incorporating it into their companies and their processes. So Elon Musk has really changed the rate at which you can turn around launch vehicles. And part of that is a lot of hard engineering work and long hours from his team. The other part of it is just that he's taken some of those uh, processes that, you know, he'd worked in Silicon Valley and taking them into the aerospace industry to try and streamline end-to-end supply chain and really push out products more quickly and more efficiently. There's always going to be some things that inherently are going to take a long time to do. Some of those are, you know, art forms where you need really skilled people working on those parts and developing them. And and perhaps one day that will be, (laughs) that will be all robotic and automated. Mm -hmm. But I think even so, some processes just take time. You know, Elon is known for spouting these very short timelines that he predicts and often they're impossible to meet, but it is driving people to push to do things faster and more efficiently. I think that's true of a lot of creative industries too, where previously being creative generally, like music was crossing over with film, was crossing over with literature, was crossing over with everything was kind of one generally creative universe and then as it got more commercial we kind of all split off into our specialized fields and for some reason in 2018 people find it really hard to grasp an individual who can creatively do many things when realistically if you are truly creative it is not that much of a surprise that you can do all of these different things i think a very obvious question which i'm sure you've been asked every day for the last few years is just how do you keep a balance on you know so many disciplines and juggle them or how do you prioritize because i think one of the struggles that i have sometimes is knowing that you know certain things fuel my passion more than other things which are essentially just a job to do not that you know i almost certainly don't do things that i don't have some sort of passion for you know i haven't taken a job for money since i left school so you know luckily the money's not really the main motivating factor but if i had a choice I would probably spend most of my days and nights sitting in the studio working on music and not really caring about anything else that's going on in the world. So my my question to you is how do you sort of prioritize and put things in their right place and still kind of have the drive and focus and energy to do all the other things you do when it comes around to it? But also what keeps you focused and motivated as you're switching between all these different geographical <laughs> locations and types of work? I can't even imagine trying to keep that all straight. I mean, I, I think the interesting thing for me and I 
I think a lot of creators can speak to this is that like, you know exactly where you want to be in five years time, in 10 years time, like, you know, the level at which you want to be operating, you know, the kinds of things that you want to be working on, but you like don't know what's happening in an hour. The, yeah. <laughs> the nature of our yeah. world is yeah. that like things can change in a split second or an opportunity will come up and you have to jump at that or say no to it. You need to be open to rolling with the punches and be discerning in that everything that you do say yes to needs to in some way contribute to the greater goal, whether that's giving you a learning experience or an opportunity to be uncomfortable and get comfortable in terms of expanding your knowledge of a new area or, or an existing area. Yeah, I definitely struggle sometimes with just being able to straddle all of it and feel like successful mm-hmm. in all of it. You know, you mm-hmm. sort of put that pressure on yourself. I don't think like, successful people ever feel successful though. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anybody who's like seen as successful yeah, who's like a time 100. Time you know, I think by virtue of being successful, you have been very self-critical. You have questioned yourself continuously in order to be a leader in a field or to be ahead of your time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very much about diversity as much as possible and doing as much myself as possible and this is how I learned what I'm really strong on and what I can delegate to other people and therefore create the best possible result for example like when we worked together on my film last year that was such a harrowing process as a whole project for me because I'd never done quite as long a film project before everything I'd done before that was three to five minutes and it was very personal project so very creatively and personally exposing in many ways but because I kind of put myself through that hell of not having any idea how a big set works because as a photographer I run a very small set putting myself through that discomfort has made me realize, okay, yes, somebody does go to university for five years to learn how to be the best possible colorist. So I'm going to be okay with delegating that. Working with you on the soundtrack, it's like, sure, I could come up with a dodgy remix myself, but working with somebody who really understands music in a very different way, it's only beneficial because the moments that you picked out of my recording were so different to what I emphasize in the piece and how you, as someone who plays in the contemporary music space related to a romantic era piece, on a classical instrument was such an interesting learning for me. And that's the point of putting creatives like us and and minds like all of us together is that we have these norms that we respectively stick to and allowing yourself to be open-minded and learn from other people forces you to evolve and forces you to move forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think a lot of what you're talking about, Margaret, is so applicable to so many fields where being able to take that overall huge goal that can seem overwhelming and break it down into, okay, but what can I do today to really help me get where I want to be? I do think that to be fair and going back to our earlier point about real-time efficiency as opposed to real-time results, right? One of the things that I always keep coming back to is that the amount of time that you spent training that particular muscle or that particular reflex or that particular way of working is conducive to how well you can work within that field. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that's the one thing people don't appreciate enough is that you have to spend extensive amount of time just knowing your field without actually even working in it just being a student of it and in the modern age I think collaboration is the key to expanding and synthesizing the way we work people who are really moving conversation forward in any field whether it's art or technology or science just pure culture all of these things like you were saying Beth with Elon Musk it's a synthesis of ideas from other fields and then adapting it to what you do 
bring it back to what I was talking to you about Margaret I think that's how you can do so many things that well because obviously you have like a real hardcore strict training in a lot of things like classical music or law or maths but at the same time these other fields that you're also dabbling in like you said you know you make a film and you're just going to get someone who's the best trained colorist you're synthesizing because you're focusing on what your core strength is and then bringing in other people whose core strength lies in another area but then at the same time you're probably giving them a fresh approach because you're not a traditional filmmaker in that sense and Mm -hmm. the same thing we're working with you musically it was very harrowing because we both had several different mental breakdowns you know I had a computer breakdown and a mental breakdown (laughs) definitely was it's a real test of your character if you go through something that makes you feel so gutted and then you would do it again do you know what I mean at the drop of a hat it's like at that time it felt pretty exhausting and draining looking back on it now I'm like the only thing I can do now is to do it again and do it better and avoid all the mistakes but then for both of us it was like some of our best work as well totally I think it just shows that you're capable because you know it wasn't done under the best condition we still managed to get it done I mean, the outcome was great. And I think that was a strong piece. But the learning is actually what I gained from it. I think it's also for all of us in our lines of work, the self-learning that's necessary, like tertiary education and formal academia is kind of what people associate with education. But really, education kind of takes so many different forms and you need to challenge yourself and continue to evolve yourself as an artist or as a scientist or whatever it is. Because Beth, like you were saying, the processes that go into what make up your job are constantly evolving as well so if you're not on top of that then how can you expect to be working in 10-15 years time you know yeah absolutely I think the other thing that you just touched on there a side that I thought was really interesting was you were still able to produce a really wonderful product under circumstances that weren't ideal and so this idea that some people have that you meet that's like oh I'm waiting for the ideal time and then I'm going to go and start x I think is really flawed because they miss out on so many opportunities Mm -hmm. whereas if you just throw yourself out there and get started you're already on the path and sure the product might have been better if everything had aligned but the fact that you're throwing yourself into it and learning is more important I think I think Beth I think the main thing is people have to be able to separate the space to be flexible and experimental as opposed to a space where something has to be firm it's all really dependent on the field that you're working and on the space I'm even breaking out of a lot of ways and making music and with the artists that I'm working with we've got this girl Abba who's amazing she's 19 she's from Atlanta and she makes everything herself what she's doing is experimental you have to look at it as that because it's not perfect you know if you were going to base it on just traditional methods of making music or structures and chords and keys some of it might be completely out of place she can like find new ways to do things that a lot of people who are super trained can't for them it's a real challenge to just go let me let go of everything that I know and just be free trying to undo years of learning but the fact is the minute she knows that is the minute she's going to get afraid and not be able to experiment and I think that's where the collaboration comes from is to have people who are almost naive in a way alongside people who are very trained in the process and in the field bringing yeah. them together and I think for older generations to be open to that and understand that you know the thought process of the tech or whatever it is has evolved since they finished school or they learned the rules that they learned yeah and I'm only really interested in what's more experimental and pushing things forward you know and it's a challenge yeah. that I place upon myself because even when I do things I lean on old techniques I think that like with the technology that exists now they are ways to kind of be groundbreaking and that's kind of what's exciting about seeing someone like yourself like a polymath who can dabble in all these fields because I'm sure in each one of them you know you bring different strengths and different ways of looking at it and that's going to be useful to that particular field if not now and years to come because your approach to it isn't jaded or tainted or anyway you guys went way over time thank you guys so much
And let me know if you need Thank anything you. else, Margaret. Just give me a text or a call. Nice to meet you, Beth, and look forward to meeting you properly. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it, Nathan. Okay, thanks Hi, a lot. Hi, up in Sydney, guys. See you there. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye. This conversation is to be continued on July 19th, 2018, in Sydney, Australia, at the Forefront Summit. Have you got your tickets? I've got my tickets.